you're being let go. Those are words that no one ever wants to hear. Over the last six months, millions of Americans have heard those words as unemployment has spiked as a direct result of the coronavirus pandemic. You ask people what their most valuable asset is, and they're likely to say it's either their house or maybe their 401k. But neither of those is possible without a job or an income to sustain them. As the unemployed face the anxiety of making sure bills are paid, they're bound to turn to their financial advisor for help. Welcome to the More Than Money podcast, where we analyze the changing world of financial advice through the lens of wealth and health. I'm Ryan Bertrand, head of Transamerica's Advanced Markets. Today, we're going to discuss unemployment in the COVID era and strategies financial professionals can employ to help their clients keep their sanity and their bills paid during this very difficult time. I'm joined by several of my esteemed colleagues. First is Dr. Bill Lloyd. Bill is a medical doctor, which is very unique in the financial services industry. His role as Transamerica's inaugural health director is to explore the connection between wealth and health. Bill has a very expensive bio. Instead of reading it, Bill, where did you go to school? Well, I graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, and for medical school, I went to the Uniformed Services University, was a member of their charter class, uh, 28 years as a military surgeon, and from there, academia, and then from there, a little bit of everything before I joined Transamerica about three years ago. And media is not new to you. You hosted a show on CNN. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for eight years, every weekend, I had a live health segment. I produced and hosted it. Uh, for 10 years, I was with WebMD, helped them launch the first physician-led online community, and then uh, thousands of broadcasts on Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, so uh, it's fortunate I'm able to use those skills and experiences to help propel the wealth and health message here at Transamerica. Well, that's fantastic. And thanks for joining us. I'm also joined by Chris McGovern, director of Transamerica's advanced markets department. And Chris has been in the industry for 15 years and has way more designations after his name than I really care to list out. So I'll let him do it. Chris, what designations do you currently hold? Uh, yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, currently, um, I have the uh, Certified Fund Specialist uh, designation, the Chartered Life Underwriter designation, Chartered Financial Consultant, uh, and also an a, uh, accredited estate planning uh, and part of the National Association for Estate Planners uh, and Councils. And we're also joined by Brian Forbes. Hey, Ryan. Um, yeah, listen, this is great. I, I was trying to think of, I was really trying to come up with some designations or anything to put at the end of my name, which I'm severely lacking. So I thought I'd try this, you know, uh, I'm the director of, you know, thought leadership with Transamerica, been there 10 years. The only thing I could throw onto the plate was, you know, married almost 25 and I have five kids, which I don't get any designations for or anything on the wall. But um, uh, I, I thought that, you know, that gave me something to something to talk about. But uh, listen, I'm I'm really excited to have Chris. And Dr. Bill on the program, and as we talked about, this is really what we're trying to get at here is when we talk about a wealth and a health uh, approach to all these to a lot of these conversations, we really want to impress upon you know everyone listening today is to see things and kind of understand you know through both through the full prism. You know, people say it's holistic. People say it's you know lots of different ways to look at things um, in the big picture. But that's what I'm excited about today to have Chris and Dr. Bill. And so, I mean, let's dive right in. And, you know, Dr. Bill, I thought, you know, let's start with you. You know, so many people listening today, you know, are genuinely concerned about the possibility of themselves or a loved one losing a job. When we think about how this crisis, how this pandemic has unfolded, you know, when people do have these anxieties about what's going to happen in the near future, do you have any smart strategies 
that can help people to really kind of deal with some of this anxiety they might be feeling? Well, let's hope so. When we speak about anxiety, what we mean by that is it's the body's and the brain's response to stress. So it could be stress about, like you said, the job or no job, about your car, about your house, about issues related to your lifestyle or relationships. It could be any of those. And, and that stress is universal. It follows a continuum. At one end is that normal amount of stress. That's the energy that gets you out of bed and it helps you perform at your best. But as you travel through that continuum to the other end of the spectrum, where sadly, it seems a lot of people are currently heading, it turns pathologic. And then that stress interferes with everyday activities, decision-making, and, and that's the time when you need to get help. And you start by helping yourself. So I encourage anyone who feels that they might start to be overwhelmed by stresses, they've got to first do a reality check and, and find out what the problem is that's really keeping them awake at night. And, and how real is that perception? So for someone who's worried, well, I might be laid off. Well, is that a reality or not? What's going on in the company right now? Or am I, am I going to be brought back or not? When dealing with some of that stuff it can be difficult to know what to do. Do you have any constructive advice to someone who's dealing with anxiety and some of those unknown elements? So you can't spend time thinking about things you can't control. Instead, you seek information and take action because knowledge is the antidote to that anxiety. One way to do that, instead of filling your brain with crazy ideas or worrisome notions, is to reinforce more structure in your life. And that's, that can be very hard to do in this new work-from-home world. At first glimpse, it sounds like, oh, I've got everything in order now because I don't have to commute. Well, I think we've all discovered that there are some potholes and tripwires when it comes to working from home. So it's important to establish a regular routine throughout the day and also a regular routine regarding your family and your relationships. So that if you've got that timeline running through your head during the day and activities that, that have structure and keep you engaged, you'll have less time for worrying, specifically worrying about the things that you can't control. It's important that you don't make matters worse. How about on the personal health side? It's easy to slip into some bad habits. Take the time to give yourself the proper nutrition, the exercise, the relaxation, and the rest you need. Feeling stress does not give you license to hurt yourself. For me, going out for a three-mile run will pretty much solve whatever problems I have for that day, at least for the time while I'm running. And then after I run, I'm worried about how sore I feel. So you see, it really does work. The stress and isolation can also be a big problem for those with underlying health issues and chronic conditions. What should they do to cope? Don't overlook your ongoing health concerns. That's a big issue, and I hope we'll come back to that uh, later in today's podcast. But that in the absence of immediate health care, you have to be even more vigilant and be a more fierce advocate for your good health. Yeah, that doesn't really help anybody. You'll only make matters worse if you end up sick on top of being overly stressed. Before we move on to the wealth side, is there anything else that you'd like to share around managing stress? Invest in yourself. Working from home now, you do have the time for the necessary exercise and the right nutritional decisions to achieve that recommended body weight that you've been chasing for years. Now is the time. If you ever really wanted to stop smoking, now is the time. With the, with the introduction of telehealth and telemedicine, 
you can find the counseling you need to get the prescriptions you need and the guidance you need for an, a success in smoking cessation. And, and other lifestyle habits too, like trying to limit your alcohol consumption. And, and like I said, get back to more exercise and, and more time with your family, and you'll be able to better endure the challenges that have come with pandemic. And I key on the word anxiety. When I think of anxiety, I think of fight or flight, especially after you hear those words, you're laid off. I would think the emotional flood that waves over you that's very acute and very devastating, leading to things like depression and also to panic, which is probably the worst thing that you can do when you're faced with that dilemma. Any tips that you have in dealing with that first initial wave of anxiety? Upon hearing upsetting news, the brain's wiring goes haywire, and there's the release of chemicals, neurotransmitters throughout the body. Regardless of the reason, whether your house is on fire or you've been fired, you've been fired yourself. And so there's a tendency to deeply internalize this trouble. But meanwhile, chemically, metabolically, your body now is under physical, medical stress, your blood pressure, your ability to metabolize food and fat. And we know now that people who are enduring this pulse of stress that is allowed to continue has tremendous negative long-term adverse health effects. So again, knowing that bad news is about to happen or it has just happened, that first step I mentioned about conducting that reality check and taking action because knowledge is the antidote to that anxiety. And if you don't resolve it, if you don't temper it, if you're not able to dial it down, you're only going to add to the problem list. And I think from a financial advisor's standpoint, not only that, but distraction too. Providing alternatives to dwelling on something that's very negative can be constructive. And especially when you lose your job, there are things that you need to do. And there's some time windows that you have to act. So it doesn't help anyone if you're sitting on your hands and having self-pity. So with that, I think outlining some financial aspects, and I'll lean on you, Chris, here. What are some of the things that you think need to occur when someone is laid off? I think the logical one to me is filing for unemployment. So I think maybe starting there. Yeah, Ryan, I think, I mean, filing for unemployment uh, is is obviously uh, something a, a lot of people, you know, would do. Uh, most people, uh, unfortunately, in that situation are not going to just immediately, you know, have other employment uh, lined up. But but even beyond that, there, there's there's other things that, that have to be done. Um, health insurance, um, you know, health insurance is likely going to um, go away. If you were relying on your employer for your health insurance, um, what's going to happen with that? There's probably going to be uh, a time frame um, there where, where you're going to, um, you know, have to go uh, find health insurance. Other sort of benefits packages uh, as well, or other pieces of your benefits package. Uh, if you're no longer employed at that particular uh, company or employer, or whatever it happens to be, um, what might you be losing? Uh, what might you have to go um, find? And, and this can uh, come into play even just in changing jobs uh, as well, maybe voluntarily changing jobs. Um, do you have things like you know disability insurance through your employer? Do you have things
things like term life through your employer? Um, what are these sorts of benefits that, that you're going to have to spend some time uh, and go out and, and find an alternative if you have been um, relying on your uh, employer for, for some of these, these benefits? And, and a lot of this, again, uh, it, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a time frame. Um, so as, as uh, we've, we've kind of talked about is, you know, sitting around uh, and worrying about the fact that, that you just lost your job, um, we kind of have to look at it as more stop worrying about what do we have to do? What do we have to go out uh, and do to, to you know, fix this or, or make this this right? Uh, of course, losing a job, um, no one you know, wants to get laid off or, or, or lose their job. Uh, and people worry about all this stuff. Instead of, instead of spending so much time worrying about it, people would feel a lot better knowing, all right, I've done all of these things. I've replaced these benefits I've lost. Uh, everything is okay for now. Of course, I need to find another job. Um, but how about I just worry about finding another job, not worrying about my family and my benefits and all this other stuff that, um, you know, that, that I had with my old employer that I need, um, you know, simply just sitting down and figuring it out. It puts a, a lot of people's mind at ease, knowing that at least that stuff is taken care of. Now I can focus on finding you know, new employment. Financial advisors here, I think, have a real great opportunity to help their clients out in this situation a lot. Providing a process, having a checklist of all those different things that they should do, one not only stops that downward spiral of anxiety, but also sets some action into place that's necessary. So getting that process and getting that checklist, I think for advisors would be one of the takeaways that I would implement in my practice if I haven't already. And it does a world of good. And it's not just, to your point, it's not just unemployment. I mean, something as innocuous as health insurance, and it's obviously not innocuous because of how expensive it is, but you have some timeframes. You have COBRA, which is probably your most common option. And COBRA, for someone who's unemployed, is an 18-month window. Now, how realistic it is for you to actually go and pursue COBRA, that's an open question because what a lot of people realize is once you go on COBRA, guess who's no longer kicking in health insurance premiums? Your employer's not helping you anymore. So all of a sudden you have this drastic increase in your health insurance costs, which brings me to budgeting. Budgeting is another thing that needs to be on that list. You need to take stock. What are your assets? What are your expenses? What can be cut out? Can you take a second and just talk about budgeting? I think even in the terms of something as simple and elementary as an emergency fund is really useful to have a discussion even very simply with a client. Yeah, I think um, you know that's a great point, Ryan. I think that that is uh, a good starting point. I think there's there's a few things to consider with that, um, and one of the first things is is evaluating what your emergency fund situation looks like. Uh, it's generally recommended to have somewhere between you know three to six months worth of expenses uh, in. Uh, accounts such as savings accounts, anything that's easily accessible just in case. Um, so I would suggest, you know, sitting down and taking some time, figure out a, a budget. Um, a lot of people don't like to, you know, figure out a budget because they don't like to be held to a budget. Uh, but when it comes to something like this, I think it's it's important to have a budget. Um, what are your monthly bills and what do you have? How long would your emergency fund last? Uh, that That's an area where, uh, again, when we, we talk about panicking and, you know, things like that and in worrying about it. Well, if someone, if you lost your job and you sat down and figured out your monthly bills and came to the realization that, hey, I, you know, I or my spouse or my family, you know, combined, we actually have enough emergency savings to last us, you know, 24 months. Well, 
it, you know, now, now you can kind of, it almost helps put your mind at ease a little bit. It's not, I need to find a job next week. It's, you know, we're okay for a couple of years. Now we might have to cut some stuff out that we don't need, but if worse comes to worse, we have an emergency fund here. Um, let's, you know, let's think about it. Maybe this is actually a time to make some bigger changes in our, in our lives. At least if you have a number, you, you, you know how long that money will last. It, it, it kind of puts it in perspective for you. Let me jump in for a second, Ryan, and speaking to that point about the stress of being fired and then becoming a worry wart and wasting too much time sitting on your hands not doing anything. The points that Chris brought up are a model that are used by experts in the career employment industry of what to do when someone's been fired. The minute you lose your full-time job, your next full-time job is finding that next job. And so by taking action again and polishing that resume and building that network and identifying what your marketable skills are, once again, you'll clear your head of worry because you're taking action. I know one strategy I've heard advocated is take that figure from your emergency fund, add in the rest of the months of the year, what your expenses are, carve that out, and then set the rest aside. I think that does take away a lot of anxiety as you go into the rest of the year. And then as you transition to a new job, I think that's a different phase altogether. One thing that I thought was interesting, I read an article that said, as people are laid off, they should, one of the first things they should do is Google themselves. You never know how you're presented to the rest of the world. So going out, Googling yourself to see how marketable you are, or maybe how not marketable you are, probably is a good idea as you transition into that next phase. But there's family implications here too. And I think as kids are going back to school, Bill, how would you recommend people deal with their family and that dynamic? Because it brings a whole different level. Well, as this podcast is airing, schools are opening across the country. You'll notice that the determination of what schools are opening or not is held at the state level because they are closest to the information regarding the communities and the spread of COVID-19. Many families are still scared about sending their children to school. It's an equation. It's risks and benefits. So is there a concern that children will contract uh, COVID-19 by going to school? There's a risk, but you can mitigate that risk with all the safety guidelines that we're all familiar with, social distancing, masks, hand washing, et cetera. But what about the benefits? Think of it. Little eight-year-old, nine-year-old boys and girls in third grade. There are things they learn in third grade they're never going to learn anywhere else. Aside from academics, school's a very important place for developing social skills and maturation, negotiation, decision-making, and, and everyday morality. We can't afford to allow America's children to lose out on those opportunities. So whether or not they physically attend school or they adhere to a rigorous at-home on-screen learning uh, platform, uh, it's essential that the parents understand what is at stake. And with schools opening, there's no guarantee that they won't close down again. I think it all comes down to protection and what things are in place. If they visit the school and they understand the measures that are going to be used to protect their children, I think they're going to find an awful lot of comfort when they weigh it against what we know are the inherent weaknesses of remote learning. Now you go back to last spring, it was a very shaky proposition. 
And in many school districts, the majority of children were not, not even online. A lot of school systems have reacted to that and have uh, now had the children uh, mandatorily remain online. There are monitors that are identifying whether or not the child is actually participating, et cetera, and, and holding the families more accountable. The extra long spring break is now over. I would say this for families uh, thinking about letting their kids go back to school uh, you know, in the real world, allowing their children to re-enter the schools physically is to also think about the extracurricular activities because that's where problems could happen. So for example, if the child's in the high school band playing for the football team, well, they're gonna be outdoors most of the time and being a band, they're going to be physically separated. And so the risks of transmission of novel coronavirus are much lower than let's say being part of an instrumental band that's playing indoors in close quarters, in close proximity to other musicians where then the risk of potential spread of COVID-19 would be much greater. So not only do the parents have to do their due diligence about what's going to happen during the school day, they have to be familiar about what's available for extracurricular activities. You know, Dr. Bill, let me throw you know, a little bit, little bit devil's advocate across you know, some of the things we've had. When we look at you know, talking about stress and talking about things going on, so we throw in the idea of someone losing their job. We throw in the idea of, you know, many parents now having to do, like you mentioned, the spring breaks over. So people are really getting into the reality of maybe at home schooling going on. And then we have what well, we've talked about earlier, just the anxiety of the unknown, the fear of the unknown of what could happen down the road. So, you know, it feels like this is a kind of a combination of stress and things coming from different directions. I don't know if there's ever really been a precedent for it. What would be some practical advice for people just with all of this kind of crashing down? I mean, I get it. We can establish a process and that can help. And I get it that people can, I agree with you, staying engaged with their children and, you know, all these things. But then there becomes that reality of living day to day in confined spaces and trying to balance things you've never had to juggle before. Well, many physicians would tell you that stress and the consequences of chronic stress is probably the number one killer in America. Not heart disease, not cancer. It's the consequences of stress. Well, what do you mean? Are, is it suicide rate? No, no, no. It's the medical damage, the organic damage that happens to the body because you're filling your brain with anxiety. And that could be nutritional choices, eating the wrong things, drinking the wrong things, or eating too much of something. Again, uh, being so depressed that you're not interested in your personal wellness and not interested in exercising. And these have a cumulative effect, not just on your health, but on the way you look at the world, your prism, the relationship with other people as well. So the toxicity of this extraordinary constellation of historic events. And you think of the people in California, for example, Yes, they've lost their job. Yes, there's COVID-19. Yes, there's record-breaking heat. And now there's ash falling from all the fires up and down California. It's like, how much can one person take? That's one of the big complicating factors. It's overwhelming. It's almost way too much. How do you start to break it down? You can only do what you can do. You can only make choices the best you can at the time you have. And, and how do you go about doing it? You take them one at a time. 
You never try to fight the tidal wave. Uh, you do it one cup at a time. And you look for your daily successes and you build on those successes as the day goes on, knowing that in this crazy environment they're in right now, mistakes are gonna be made. You're gonna forget things. You're gonna do things differently than you might have under better circumstances, but you have to be willing to accept it and forgive yourself and allow yourself to forgive others when things aren't working out lickety split like they used to before all this started to happen. So how, how do you go about doing that? Well, you, again, keep yourself occupied. If you find that your work isn't keeping you busy enough, or like we mentioned already, you've lost work, well, then maybe now's the time to develop a new hobby or pick up an old hobby that you've forgotten about. I like to tell people now I'm taking piano lessons. Well, I took 20 years of piano lessons before a ski injury sidelined me, and I kind of walked away from it. Well, now we have time. I have seen everything on Netflix, and I'm still awake. So I think I'll go back and take piano lessons. And I've had an enjoyable time with a piano teacher that does not make me memorize those songs. She lets me play them as long as I want, and when I'm not interested, I walk away from it, and we pick up some new songs. This has brought a lot of comfort to me, and it gives me something to look forward to. It gives me a victory every day. So, you know, activities like that, thinking about relaxation techniques. You know, four billion Asians can't be wrong. There's got to be something in this meditation. There, may, there has to be some value in things like acupuncture and mindfulness. The Western world, frankly, is just waking up to these concepts. But you can find physical and mental peace by being able to put yourself in a different state through the use of these various relaxation techniques. You know what? You can go to YouTube and you can find a five-minute course in meditation, and it won't cost you a penny. You can do the same thing on learning how to cook or how to start playing the piano. So the technology is there to support you. How paradoxical. The technology is there to support you during these, these crazy times while you're engaged, perhaps in that new full-time job, of finding another full-time job. Using your time constructively, starting a hobby, and really staying sane are really important for people who've lost their job. But equally important is making sure their bills continue to be paid. The problem and challenge for many is their unemployment benefits are starting to run dry and they have to look to other resources to continue to fulfill their financial obligations. The CARES Act introduced some significant opportunities for individuals with retirement assets to help provide some immediate liquidity to cover those obligations. The problem is for many, it'll be sacrificing their long-term retirement to pay their short-term bills. As with anything, there's rules and regulations that have to be followed, but many people are probably gonna ask their financial advisor, is this a good idea for me? Is this something I should consider? Chris, what are some words of wisdom for those evaluating whether this is a good idea for them? Sure. Yeah. And just to, to back up a little bit uh, on, on the CARES Act, uh, when the CARES Act passed, one of the provisions in the CARES Act uh, allows people to uh, take a up to $100,000 distribution um, from uh, certain retirement accounts, such as defined contribution plans like 401ks or 403bs, uh, as, as well as IRAs, if the distribution uh, occurred due to a uh, COVID-19-related hardship. So uh, who would that be? What would be an example of someone who's 
experienced a COVID-related hardship? So um, the the definition that they've laid out uh, is obviously if you or a family member uh, did in fact test positive, then that that's a pretty easy one. Obviously, you you were impacted. Um, if you were laid off or furloughed. Um, you would be considered impacted uh, if you if your hours were reduced, uh, if you were unable to, uh, if your hours were reduced or or your income went down because you lost uh, childcare, um, you would be considered um, uh, to have been uh, a hardship under um, the the provisions. So furlough is an interesting one here because generally you don't have access to your retirement savings if you're furloughed, or even something like losing income or providing childcare that doesn't necessarily give you free reign to tap into your 401k. So for many people, this might be something that they've never really had the opportunity to even think about before. Uh, that that's that's true. It, it, it's certainly uh, it, it, it's it's nice to I guess it's nice to have these options, uh, it, but we really do have to have to think about this. Uh, if the option is there to take money from your retirement account, people shouldn't necessarily do it just because they can. Uh, the reality is it takes most people a long time to save $100,000. So just because I now can say that I have experienced a financial hardship due to uh, coronavirus, does it mean that I should go take $100,000 out of my 401k? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we really have to be careful uh, about uh, about looking at this. And I personally think this should be a last resort option. Uh, this doesn't mean now you can access your retirement account, so you should take $100,000 out and you know go buy something that you don't need. Uh, again, the- it takes a lot of people a long time to save $100,000. And if all of a sudden, just because you're able to take it, you do, uh, you could erase many years of savings uh, for retirement. And for a lot of people, that could put them significantly behind. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people uh, that may just never be able to catch it, to catch up. So we really have to look at it carefully. It's nice to have that option, but we do have to be careful in determining, should we use it? Do we really need to use it? Or you know, how should we use it? Yeah, and I think you hit on a key element there. There might be better alternatives. Uh, yeah, they're very well. Um, they're very well could be. I mean, it kind of goes back to looking at the emergency fund. Uh, if you have an emergency fund that is sufficient uh, enough, or at least sufficient for what you think uh, to to get you enough time uh, to you know get another job, um, then you know maybe this shouldn't be the option that you go. If you have a, a some sort of line of credit uh, against your home that maybe you have that you're not using, uh, it's there uh, just in case. Maybe that's a better option. Money money's cheap right now when it comes to to lending, uh, at least if we look at it historically, uh, it, maybe it makes more sense to to look at some of those options as opposed to, you know, significantly depleting your retirement account. Uh, and in a lot of instances, you may not need to do that. There might be a lot better options out there. I guess if your back is against the wall and you are forced to utilize this option, there are some pretty intriguing strategies around it. There is an allowance to roll it back within three years. Also, one other important aspect is the 10% penalty is waived. And the way the taxes are applied is spread over three years. So it does temper it a little bit. So backs against the wall, you have to use it. There is a backdoor to put it back in if you do become more financially able down the road. Also, the stimulus checks, I think it's important to realize that there might be some clients based on prior year income that did not receive a stimulus check. Perhaps they lost their job partway through the year. They could become retroactively 
based on 2020 income eligible for a stimulus check next year. So that could be a way to provide some additional capital in addition to any additional stimulus that's provided down the road. So I know we've covered a ton of ground and it's a very difficult conversation. I think though, if I'm thinking about this logically, the very least understanding the dynamic of emotion and how panic can lead you down the wrong road. Also having a process and thinking about these things through thoroughly helps create a better outcome. And then finally, any closing thoughts? Bill, I think we'll start with you. Well, working from home can be a double-edged sword because you want to have enough time for yourself and then time for the other stuff that fills your day. And sadly, too many of us discover that the other stuff often wins. And so I would encourage everyone who's uh, struggling with this work from home life during this pandemic to focus on the structure for yourself and your family. There'll be many benefits that you can accrue from that. And again, you need to be your own best advocate regarding your good health. If you haven't used telemedicine yet, I encourage you to find out, learn more about it, get in touch with your doctors. Your prescriptions are probably running out by now. You may have new issues that you may wanna talk about and discover how wonderful it really is when you don't have to drive, pay for parking, sit in a contaminated waiting room, reading bad magazines for a doctor who's running 90 minutes late. And instead you simply click in and there you are with your doctor. That uh, it's on you now until things turn back to a new normal, it's gonna be on you. And in the meantime, I would encourage everyone to stay positive. I know we are weeks away from Dr. Fauci getting up on that podium and telling us we have a vaccine. And I'd like to think that uh, we will look forward to much better times once we know that America can gain immunity against COVID-19. Chris? Yeah, I think when it comes to um, you know, talking about losing a job, for, for a lot of people, it's not simply the fact that they lost their job that that they're worried or or stressed about. It's the loss of income, uh, and so I think it's it's important for people uh, to to sit down if they if they have lost a job, sit down, put a plan in place, or or you know figure out what do you have, uh, what options are out there, what and maybe for some people, hopefully they're lucky enough, maybe they can put together a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, uh, and and you know take stock of of you know what what does this look like i've just lost my job now what am i going to do well if, if you have a plan in place at least to somewhat get you know get yourself through it uh you can worry less about it and and for for those who are you know fortunate enough that they have not lost their job i, I still think it's good for people to to sit down because just because they haven't lost their job doesn't mean that a lot of people aren't worried that it may happen well, why not sit down and put a plan in place uh, and do the same exercise? Put together a budget, take stock of everything, figure out what your options are just in case that does happen. Uh, if that happens a month from now, a lot of people would feel a lot better knowing that, you know, 30 days ago, 60 days ago, you know, my, my you know, spouse and I sat down and put a plan in place for the just in case. Obviously, we, we hope that that doesn't happen, um, but when it comes to to the, the wealth side of it and the finances side of it, uh, a lot of times we are planning for the just in case. Uh, we're planning for the good and we're also planning for the bad. Uh, and so I think it, it's worth taking some time to sit down and put together a plan for the bad. 
Uh, and just in case something were to happen, now you're not starting from zero. You actually uh, have a plan in place. Now you obviously make changes to it, but at least you've started thinking about it. Uh, you're not going home the night after you know being laid off, starting from zero. At least you've you've put some thought into it and some sort of plan in place. And for a lot of people, that may reduce a lot of the stress and 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 the worry about what if something like this you know were to happen to us. I think one of the big things that just comes across in both of these is no matter what happens, staying on the sidelines is not an option, right? And we know that that's usually kind of one of the results of uncertainty and fear, which we've talked about quite a bit here. Whether it's on the health side, as Dr. Bill, you've mentioned, is, you know, if, if something happens, it's time to redirect. It's time to redirect and get involved in something else. It's time to put your mind and your 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 time and attention into something else. Maybe that's you know, as you mentioned, playing piano, which I'd love to hear, or maybe it's just, you know, simply finding, you know, like you said, making a health step to get out and get active more and do things like that. And obviously, Chris, what you're talking about there is when something happens, it is a time to sit down and make an assessment of what is going on. And I think the biggest thing we learn in any of these crises is, you know, whether it's your money or your time and attention, um, it's not a good time to be on the sidelines. It's not a good time to just be indecisive and think, all right, I'll just flatten down the hatches and weather the storm. And at some indefinite time in the road down the future, things will be all right. I guess that's commonly the head in the sand type of tactic. And that, that typically just does not work here. And there you have it. Clients will be looking to their professionals to help if they lose their job. It's just part of the changing nature of advice. Being prepared and having the right resources to help clients who are experiencing job loss can make a huge difference in their lives. Making sure things don't slip through the cracks and that bills continue to get paid. Being mindful of client stress and emotion, anxiety, all equally important. The good news is that we try to make it easy. Transamerica has developed tools and resources that can help. Please visit transamerica.com or transamericaadvancemarkets.com for further information, or reach out to your Transamerica counterpart. And if you like what you heard, either subscribe or hit the like button. This has been the More Than Money podcast. For Bill Lloyd, Brian Forbes, Chris McGovern, I'm Ryan Bertrand. Thank you. Transamerica Resources Incorporated is an Aegon company that is affiliated with various companies that include, but are not limited to, insurance companies and broker-dealers. Transamerica Resources, Inc. does not offer insurance products or securities. The information provided is for educational purposes only, should not be considered as insurance, securities, ERISA, tax, investment, legal, medical, or financial advice or guidance. Please consult your personal independent professionals for answers to your specific questions.